everyone. Welcome back to another edition of The Rockcast, a podcast made by Rockhurst University students for Rockhurst University students and anyone who's interested in life at Rockhurst. On the show today, we are going to be talking about what it's like being a month out from commencement. Finals are just around the corner. Everything is wrapping up for two of the Rockcast uh, here. They're just about to graduate. So what all is going on uh, on campus. We've had to delay the recording of this podcast a couple times just because everybody is so busy and there's so much going on in April on a college campus. So we'll got to talk about that. As well as this past weekend, we'll recap a very important event. It was the Rockers University Martin Luther King Jr. commemoration. Uh, we were not able to have any kind of in-person activities in January for MLK Day. So an event was held this past weekend, uh, folks on campus for it, there were performances. We'll, we'll talk about what all that entailed. Uh, Jarrett was one of the organizers of the event and Bree performed in it. So we'll hear from them on how everything went. We'll also, uh, I'll share a recording of their performances too. Really good stuff. And then finally in our I Wish I Knew segment, which is we take a topic, the group talk, talks about that topic for what they do concerning that topic now versus what they did when they first entered college. And this week's topic is stress relief, since we're getting close to the end of semester. What are the top stressors for a college student, especially in April? Um, how do you deal with it? How do you minimize it? And tips for others on how to deal with that. So before we get started, though, let's introduce everyone. If you could say who you are, your major, where you're from, and best restaurant or coffee shop around campus. Not on campus, but around campus. And we'll start off with Jarrett. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm Jarrett Payton II. I'm a sophomore at Rockhurst, majoring in marketing, minoring in film acting. And my favorite restaurant around campus, I'd say, is... Neighborhood Cafe. I don't know if any of you guys have went there. It's maybe five to ten minutes slightly southwest of campus. Um, and the really cool thing about it, besides just the food and the really, really good chicken and waffles, is you get a complimentary cinnamon roll when you sit down. So everyone gets a cinnamon roll. It's free. I know we love free food, don't we? We're college students. But it's great. And the hospitality to service is excellent as well. Hi, my name is America. I am a senior. My major is corporate accounting and finance and I'm from Shawnee, Kansas. And recently I've been um, going to Bella Napoli, which is an Italian restaurant in Brookside. And I had never been. Um, this year was the first time I'd been, but I had heard really good things about it. And I have to agree, their pasta and pizza are really, really good. So I recommend it to anyone. Hello everyone, my name is Bree. I'm from St. Louis, currently majoring in physics of medicine and minoring in bioethics, leadership and business. Um, I would say something, it's not necessarily near campus, but it's in the Power and Light District. I really like um, this restaurant called Drunken Fish. They have pretty good sushi. Um, so yeah. What's popping everybody? My name is Vince Rosquetta. I'm a nursing major, uh, senior from Spring Hill, Kansas. And my favorite coffee shop uh, would probably have to be Crows, which is just west of Rockers campus, about a three-minute drive. It's on UMKC's campus, actually. And they just have really good local coffee, um, and they are really good about having their punch cards, so you can always get a free drink on your 10th one. Uh, I recently checked my bank statement, and uh, during my four years here, I have spent about $863 at this place for the four years, if that goes to show you how good it is. <laughs> yeah. That's solid evidence right there. <laughs> and if anyone is watching on YouTube right now, Vince, can you kind of explain where you are? Oh, yeah. Um, so being a nursing major, um, I decided to get some experience in the field. I am a nurse intern, too, at Menorah Medical Center in the ICU, where I'll be starting in August. Um, my preceptor was so nice to let me take a one-hour break to record this session. So I am here in our break room, as we see all the lockers right over here. <laughs> very very good well thank you all uh i'm your host chad schnarr and welcome especially to our first time listeners and especially especially to those who are coming back um be sure to rate review subscribe all that good stuff uh you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, google or stitcher 
And as mentioned, if you want to watch the Zoom cast here, you can on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash rockhursthawk. If you need anything or have any questions about anything Rockhurst, suggestions for the podcast, topics, anything like that, send us a DM on Instagram at Rockhurst University uh, or contact us through rockhurst.edu. So here we go. It is, at the time of this recording, April 19th in the early afternoon. Uh, commencement is May 21st in person at Sporting KC's Children's Mercy Park Stadium. Um, mentioned that uh, this is a really busy time of year for college students. So for those who may be curious or don't know what it's like to be on a college campus closing out the school year, what is going on for you right now in your year? Um, what kind of uh, assignments do you have? What kind of tests are in the future? Uh, how busy is it for real? And the whole point of this is just to give everyone a, a clear window into reality. Of a, of a college student's life. So whoever wants to start can start. I can start us off. Um, as a nursing major, senior nursing major here in the spring semester, uh, it's pretty busy. Uh, typically for any nursing program, really, um, your second semester senior year is you go through your capstone, uh, which are your clinical shifts, uh, typically on a unit that you are going to be working on, hence see me here um, for all those on YouTube. Um, and yeah, it does get pretty busy. Um, Rockhurst has a lot of events normally that come on during the spring semester. And then so combining that with school, you just got to be on top of your game and be able to jot down your schedule in order to accommodate everything. I would say for me, it's been busy, busy, busy. Um, most of my final exams are papers and reports or group projects. So there's not really a lot of in-person tests, but it is a lot of work that's accumulating. Um, and then as far as like around campus, I'm very involved in a lot of organizations. So like during this time, there's been like a lot of elections and whatnot and like kind of trying to decide, okay, what do I want to put my time and my commitment into for the entire next year? So it's kind of hard to really think that far in advance while trying to juggle school, but um, I'm making it do. So I'm very excited. And I know a lot of organizations here on campus, they're doing a lot of different events. I know SAB has some exciting things coming up. Um, Unity is hosting their pride prom. So it's just a, a lot of things going on on campus right now. Um, I can go. So I would say that, yeah, kind of what Brie was saying as I would say as a freshman through a junior spring semester is just a very exciting time because you're kind of looking forward to the next school year and planning what you're going to be involved in, maybe getting some leadership positions since a lot of organizations, they do like a school year. Um, cycles so they like I guess like the officers um, that were elected at the beginning of the year um, they're either getting reelected or the seniors are stepping down I know for me I think it was a week and a half ago I had um, my last senior um, my last meeting and student senate um, which was very sentimental because it was the first organization that I joined on campus. Um, and they did something very sweet. There's a lot of seniors and there's around 25 overall students. Um, and then there was like 10 or so. So like almost half of us are seniors and they planned something super sweet. Um, Brie was there, but yeah, um, they, we all got to like talk about our experience in student Senate. Um, and then they did like a, a sweet activity where they would like all the senators, um would have like I think what would you say they're like marbles or not marbles yeah they're pretty they're kind of like little pebbles I guess you would call them yeah like bars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like decoration pebbles that you pe like that you, I guess you usually use and then each senior had like a mason jar and we would all sit at one table and we closed our eyes and somebody would be like um was asking questions like oh this senior um I don't know, like made me smile or like um, I see the senior as a leader or I look up to them. And then you would just hear people walking around throwing like the pebbles in your mason jar um, until we like it, it was for a while. And then until we like opened our eyes and our mason jars were full. Um, so it was so sweet. And then we got a cupcake and we got our cords. Um, so, yeah, but now for me, it's a little bit weird. Last week was the first Wednesday of the whole of my whole time at Rockers that I 
hadn't didn't have to go to a, a student senate meeting since the new senate met um yeah so as a senior it's definitely kind of sentimental but it's it's still very exciting and then also kind of just seeing the new senators come in and uh, seeing how excited they are um but yeah i mean i think spring is just always a fun time and then the tulips bloomed um so campus overall is very beautiful right now I have to agree with you about the last part. Um, campus is beautiful. And it was so nice for me to um, come back. Um, I actually just flew back into Chicago last night um, from campus. So it was nice to be there for the weekend and to see everything. Campus, of course, beautiful as always. But definitely to go along with what Vince said as well, there's just a lot of things always going on in the spring semester. Um, last year, I didn't get to see the full extent of it in person. As you know, we came back from COVID. So getting to be there even for a weekend and seeing so many other events going on despite just the MLK commemoration event things coming up, you know, there's Unity Week this week. And before then you had um, fraternities and sororities, philanthropy weeks as well. It's a lot going on. And it's definitely got me thinking about my involvement right now versus what I might want it to be um, in the fall, which is exciting. I feel like for everyone, it's a good chance to think about what it is that you want to do the next semester and then on. So spring semester, definitely, yeah, there's finals and there's other things that might stress you out a little bit, but there's a lot much more, much, much more to look forward to than there is to be upset about. I can say that. All right, so this year actually started, as everyone knows, as one of the more unique years, if not the most unique year in college history, or at least in the last five, six decades. Uh, so how has the year been? It's a, maybe an oversimplified question, but how has the year been for you compared to what you thought it'd be when it started this year with all the um, COVID safety precautions in place? I would say that other than the fact that it's hard to keep going without truly a break, like although we had Easter break, it still felt like just like a short weekend. Um, but like from the beginning to now, I'm very like proud that we actually made it this far. I'm not gonna lie, I was a little nervous that we was gonna get sit home in, in the very beginning. <laughs> but um, I'm glad that we made it this far. And really, it's just like, I'm ready to leave. I don't know if my grades are ready for me to leave. Like my grades aren't horrible or anything. But trying to turn some minuses into pluses. But um, overall, um, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with how the year went, um, despite everything that was going on. As a second part to the question, What's been the highlight for you this year? And Bree, just continue on if you don't mind. Yes, of course. I would say innovation. Like some of the ideas that has been brought onto campus, I would have never thought. Like a, a huge movie screen to, for a bunch of people to view. I know um, the, another RA and myself were thinking about doing some type of like drive-in, um, drive-in in like the parking lot. So like it's just been very creative the outdoor living room area, the fire pits. And I can honestly say that I don't think it would have been that much innovation or thought put into like outside activities that can be socially distanced if we weren't going through the pandemic. And so I think it's just been a really unique time for creativity to really strive. So I would say definitely that. I think going through this year, kind of underpinning what Bree was saying, I believe that this year really did show not one just our resiliency, but our adaptability as a university. Um, I took uh, a leadership development course, the intro course, LVD 2000. And one of the concepts we talked about there uh, when being a leader is uh, you got to be able to bend, but not break. And moving through this year, I think that not just individual organizations, but the whole school itself showed its ability to bend with the change going on, but still not break in some of the traditions that we do here. Um, some of the events that we want to hold, we decided to find a different way to do it. And I think that shows one that, yeah, we're the school where leaders learn because we're able to show that leadership on display by how we as a university managed our way through the, uh, well, and still are managing our way through the COVID pandemic. And I think that'll serve as a really good model uh, for the future leaders of the school to look back on and say, hey, this is what we did here in 2020, 2021. Uh, in order to make this school year happen. And I think that's something that we can look back on fondly and say, hey, we, we can be proud about this. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I think I feel very proud that we've made it to this point. And then looking back to the conversations that we had last semester of 
you know, not knowing what was going to happen or when, even when the vaccine wasn't out yet. And I think it's amazing right now that so many students are really any student that wants to go get the vaccine can. Um, I think that's a really awesome. And I, I wouldn't have, I guess, imagined that it, I feel like there was a point where it started to feel like it was going to take forever or we didn't know when things were going to happen. And even now, a lot of our organizations are able to hold events, you know, in a different style. But um, definitely, I would say in the past, like a month and a half, there's been quite a few changes, even for residence life, being allowed more guests. Um, and then, yeah, for us seniors, I mean, recently we got notified that we can have four guests at commencement, which is awesome when not knowing if we were going to have in-person commencement and then not knowing if we were going to have guests. And then it turns out we were, and then we we're going to have two. And then now we, we can have four. Um, so a lot of things have changed and I'm very proud and excited. Another thing to be excited about. Honestly, I'd say in so many ways, when this year started for all of us, everyone's journey is different, but that nobody really thought that as much good would have came out of it that it did um, as far as development, not just on our campus, but being at home for the years, giving me the chance to talk to people at other colleges on different campuses or just in other phases of life at this time. And you're seeing people grow in ways that, as Bree said, maybe we would not have been able to if it weren't for a pandemic. Um, the pandemic has allowed for more creativity. And I feel like that's the best part about this time is just finding new ways to be creative, finding new ways to reach out to new people and to just create better ideas than what you may have had originally. Excellent. America, you mentioned uh, commencement and guests there were a month away. Um, for you and Vince, what's going on for you guys preparing for these last few weeks here and specifically graduation? I actually have a number up on my whiteboard with the exact number of things I have to turn in before the end of the semester. And so much joy comes out of me whenever I am able to erase that and start marking down from 31 to 30, 29, 28. Right now I'm on 25. So a few more left, but we got to get through here. Um, for me this summer, um, just moving through after commencement, um, I have to figure out if I'm able to get the extra tickets because earlier this semester when, or this week when we heard that we can get four, uh, I had to make the cutoff with my immediate family, so my parents and my two little sisters, but that meant that my grandma, who lives with us, uh, wouldn't be able to go. So I put in a request. Uh, every senior got who filled out the form had an opportunity to request uh, extra tickets. So hopefully, if Children's Mercy Park will accommodate that, um, the people who requested those will be able to get that so all their loved ones can go on to see commencements and see us walk. Um, we're excited to be able to walk. And our families who have supported us this whole way through, through our whole educational journey, want to be able to see that too. So fingers crossed for that. Uh, for me personally, moving into the summer here, uh, the only thing on my mind after graduation is the NCLEX, which is the National Licensing Exam for Nurses. About a month ago, I accepted a RN position at Menorah Medical Center's ICU in Overland Park, Kansas, which where is where I'm at right now. Um, but yeah, I'll be starting that in June and I'm super excited to be jumping in. I start orientating on June 28th. So that'll be my plans coming over after graduation. Yeah, for me, um, since yeah, I also put in a request to get extra tickets since I have, um, well, my it's gonna be my parents and I have three siblings. So right now only two of them can go. I mean, the little one, he's five. So I mean, I'm not really sure if he'll be like super upset, especially they said it's since it's such a long ceremony. But hopefully we can get another one and he'll be able to go. Um, and then kind of just looking towards plans for the summer, just start working. I'm not I'm still trying to figure out um, when we're going to be doing um, maybe long-term goals. Been thinking about maybe if I want to do a master's. I'm not sure. I guess there's just so many things that I can do. So I'm just going to spend the summer trying to um, figure that out and be working as well. Excellent. Okay. Moving on to uh, this past weekend, uh, one of the highlights for a lot of staff and faculty was to see um, just any kind of a big in-person event take place on campus again. It was nice having that energy on campus again. And Jarrett, you were part of the organization team for the Martin Luther King Jr. commemoration. And again, this was held here in April. 
because we were unable to have it in January due to COVID restrictions, but uh, we were able to have it. Do you want to kind of talk about what it was, why it was, and what what comes out of it? Sure. So the idea behind the MLK commemoration event, which as Chad just um, spoke out, was supposed to be. And um, I want to believe freshman year, which was last year, we did it on Martin Luther King Day itself. Yes, we did. And the idea of that was not just with it being, you know, um, prior to Black History Month or on Martin Luther King Day, but just the idea of promoting unity um, within our college campus, you know, and helping to make our school more diverse, not just in terms of the student body, whether we have, you know, more Black, whites, Hispanics, Asians, but diverse in ideas, you know, diverse in opinions, diverse in just the orientation of who people are. And having the event is the biggest part of that. So I was blessed to be a part of the committee to plan it. And not only doing it with other students, but also other administrators who were just as passionate about these ideas as I was, if not even more. It was really good to see it. It got rained, not rained out. It was supposed to be outside actually on the quad. And last minute, because a few days prior to the event, we were planning for a rain event, which would to have it in Arupe. That's what we ended up doing. And we still had a really sizable turnout. We still had a lot of great performances, a lot of great speeches. Um, honestly, the whole thing was so great. I can't even put a price on how much it means, not just to me, but to the university itself to have it. And a lot of people had a lot of positive feedback about the event itself and what it can be next year, you know, going on from what it just was this weekend. So you, you mentioned uh, performances and whatnot. So can you talk about what was read there, um, the, the letter and kind of what kind of performances there were and then what happened on Saturday? So, and this is actually part of the theme of what was going on, kind of forgot about it, so I'm glad you reminded me. So each performance itself had to do with the letter, um, Martin Luther King's letter from Birmingham, I forgot what year it was, but essentially he was pronouncing from when he was in Birmingham jail, and just talked about a lot of, not just his experience in jail, but a lot of things that he saw from the outside looking in, in the world while being incarcerated, and each, each speaker, each poet, each singer, had a theme that came from a phrase or something that was an element of the specific letter itself. Um, mine was, what extremist will I be? Um, Bree might be able to come in a little bit later and talk about what hers was, but each artist had a theme. And that was really essential to what the event was itself, giving structure back to this letter. But the main idea that I believe anybody could gain from the letter itself was just Dr. King, because obviously we all know about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But him giving perspective on a world that he was not a part of at the time was really the most important thing for me because we know how someone like him feels about topics of social justice. But when you're in jail, when you're not able to see things, what does that mean then? How do you feel? How are you addressing things from behind bars? And hearing that message is really powerful because it gives us, you know, more than five decades later, a chance to be able to say, can we take something from the way that he lived his life or others at the time? If so, what is it? If not, what is that? It's, it's a really good chance to be able to think. And that's what that letter did. It made us all think about where we're at right now. So Saturday was, as far as um, performers, I performed. Damien Hood, a sophomore at Rockercy, performed as well on the piece of poetry. And Trinity Hodges, a junior, she performed a song, I want to say from Hairspray, that had to do with the elements. So that was the only thing that was similar was the performance theme. As far as everything else, we did service on the Paseo Steps, which is about, let's say, quarter mile to a half a mile due north, due northeast. I think to go to this historic site, and what we ended up doing was essentially cutting a lot of the brushes. So I found this out from Real Cree himself, but they're actually doing a massive renovation project over there. So the architect that designed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and NFL football team um, in Tampa Bay, of course, Florida, the architect that designed that stadium is coming up to Kansas City to help design and we designed the steps and the project for it, the outline was set up on the top of the steps. It's beautiful. So essentially where we came in is volunteers, not just at Rockers, there were volunteers from a local karate dojo, volunteers from another nonprofit organization, all headed by, I want to say, the CEO of Urban Cafe, which many of us are familiar with, a restaurant not far from campus, um, to help bring these steps to life to a point where the money um, generated from it, the new parks, would all go back to benefit that community that's right there. 
Um, and that was the best part about it was not just, you know, cutting down bushes, not just helping to clear the area of all the weeds and such, but knowing that there was a purpose behind it. So that's what Saturday service day is all about. Excellent. Now, Bree, can you talk about your performance and you know, what was the inspiration behind that out of the letter and how do you feel it went? Absolutely, yes. I enjoyed the program from start to finish. Um, my specific theme from the letter was um, whatever affects one directly affects us all indirectly. So I wrote a poem about that. Um, and I like writing spoken word poetry. And I've never had like a deadline or a timeline to do one. So it was definitely a new experience for me. Um, the poem was called Aftershock. And pretty much since the theme was um, whatever affects one directly affects us all indirectly. It's kind of like this idea like in earthquakes, you know, um, you have the actual earthquake, but how sometimes weeks or even months afterwards, you can have like those aftershocks. Like although the main um, earthquake already happened, you still feel the shocks and like the effects of it. So like, that's kind of like why I, I titled it Aftershock and um, I just kind of like put it together. Um, I really liked how it turned out. I think it's definitely a poem that I would add to just to make it a little longer or just to add more ideas to it. But overall, it was a really great experience. And I was glad to be a part of it. Jarrett, how long did you work on yours, uh, both writing or rehearsing? Honestly, I spent a really long time on mine. Um, in general, um, just because with me being on the planning community, I definitely had, um, I guess you could say, an upper hand as far as knowing the deadlines before we announced it to, you know, Bree and the rest of the poets and the singers. So I want to say it took me about a week to get a solid poem down. I had a lot of ideas that I wrote out um, and ended up capping around four and a half minutes long as far as the entire piece itself. But just the process behind it for me, I just, I really appreciate it um, because part of it was spoken word, part of it was poetry, part of it was rhymes and other parts of it, um, I was giving a speech that I created myself from the perspective of Dr. King, which was really interesting for me because obviously I'm not Dr. King. <laughs> so I had to put myself in his shoes as best as I could and almost try and speak as if I was him. That was what I wanted the audience to see like, oh, wow, he's speaking as if he's, you know, Martin right now. And that was really interesting for me to write because I'm like, wow, like it was just interesting. I, I think that even though I write, um, especially being home all year, I've been able to write a lot. Of, I've done a lot of poetry, spoken word, even in the city with some people. This was a challenge for me. And I definitely was glad that, you know, I saw other artists willing to take and accept this challenge as well, such as Bree, such as Damien, and the rest of the performers who really just killed it overall. But that's what went into my performance specifically. And it was about... Um, what type of extremist will I be? Which goes back to the main idea of why I chose it was, you know, in times like this where lots of things have been going on in the country, you could say it's a byproduct of extreme hate. And, you know, in my situation, the way I see it, in order to eradicate extreme hate, you need another extreme, right? You need to match extreme hate with extreme love. And that's something that a lot of people, when they hear the word extreme, it's hard to think of. But when you add the love into it, it gets a little bit easier. So I guess the idea is talking about that. So I chose that theme and implemented it in my piece because I wanted to highlight the idea of what it means to show extreme love. It came together really nicely. Um, I like all the different transitions that you did. And like even like the rest of the student poets, I've noticed that we all have very different styles. So it was just exactly. Like all of us had a completely different way of attacking our themes and it just came together so nicely. So I definitely commend the other student poets as well, but it was, it was a great performance, Jared. It was, yours was too, honestly. Yep. And that is so true. Everyone's was so different. Um, and we rehearsed um, as a group all together, um, everyone listening, I wanna say three or four times. So we heard each other's pieces, but it was just something surreal about actually performing them together. Like we were acting crazy as if we never heard each other's pieces before. So. It was, it was really nice. The, the energy was at a level that I've never seen before. Um, coming from someone who's done slam poetry in high school, that was very different. And I think that's just the start of what Rockhurst and where we're leaning towards as a community, which is great. We all did such a great job. And I, not, I don't just want to commend the people that performed, but also the people that went on the people that streamed digitally. Or if you still haven't, you can go onto Rockhurst YouTube and you can watch the whole thing yourself. But it was a blessing to be a part of it. And in the episode notes, we'll have a link to the performances from Friday um, on the YouTube channel, like Jared mentioned, and any other 
links that we can provide there. And that is a great segue into, we will put both Bree and Jarrett's performances into this podcast starting now. I want to talk about equality and all the pain I keep inside of me. The struggle's hideous and cops still killing us apparently. Since when does doing your job equate to murder in the second degree? Let me take it back to a time deeper than yours and mine, deeper than words that rhyme. I want to talk when racism was in its prime. And Jim Crow was a thing. And Enid used to sing, and Dr. Martin Luther King would sit and talk about his dreams. See, but to what extreme? Satchel Paige, Muhammad Ali, Ida B. Wells, Fred Hampton, Langston Hughes, Maya Angelou. All of these were extremists in one way or another. Extreme in how they went against the status quo. Extreme hustle, extreme ambition. The extreme wants and need to bring change to a nation stuck in its ways. How extreme it was to be in a diverse room such as this itself. Extreme until they fought for it. Word to God. Word to struggle. Word to extreme success preceded by extreme action. Because extreme is what it's going to have to be. And it'll take all of us. And so I ask you all, what type of extremist will you be? An extremist for unity or an extremist for love? Expect that change has no timetable. And over time, we grow impatient. And then they ask me, how long do we stay dedicated? How long to opportunity meets preparation? I'm a sensation. And until I find myself, I lead a movement where my people lack the motivation. So, do you feel me yet? No? That's all right. April 4th. 1968, I went on up. I came across the gates of heaven. My praises due to the Almighty Father who gave me a voice. My mama used to always say to me, she said, Martin, you're going to be somebody. You're going to make a difference someday. And at the time of my death, I felt like I did just that. And then I observed. I observed. I sat and observed for decades while things took a new form. Integration, in exchange for extreme hate through incarceration, the war on drugs, redlining, housing, education, and of course, the police state. Did I really make a difference? And if so, how significant? But then I remember, it's me. I'm the one. It's my name. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is the name we all revere. My work is stressed in the history books when my brothers and sisters are criticized for the same vision I once had, all due to a peaceful narrative. As if I was better than Brother Malcolm. As if I was better than Brother Fred, better than Sister Angela. When in reality, a different approach, of course, but the same dream. This dream is all but a distant reality in a nation where it was once deemed extreme to love whoever we see fit. We found peace in the presence of hatred. And the worst enemy of the powers that be it's your love when it is extreme. So, let's talk about the word itself. Extremist. Extremist. Does it, does it scare you because it serves as a reminder that there are people who work with vigilance to tear down the very same system that you support? Or does it, does it empower you because it serves to remind you that you are fighting for a reality of love in its purest form? A love that can be universally applied. It's not political. Although we have failed to attain this, trust me when I say that failure remains the greatest form of education. So we learn from our past to create a better future for us all. Just as Dr. King sought to be the greatest father, husband, trailblazer on this side of the River Jordan, we seek to be extremists for change in order to create a nation that we can all be proud of. But wait, is that too extreme? If so, I'm sorry, because that's what it takes. My offspring will grow in the nation with the chance, the ability to witness tranquility. They will love whoever they want. By any means necessary, I will see this through. Because my heart, my heart, it, it stands with George Floyd. It stands with Deontay. 
It stands with young Adam, 13 years old. That boy was too young. It beats. It beats for love and equality. So I speak hopefully that one day we may find the remedy. And so I ask you all one last time. What type of extremist will you be? Thank you. Aftershock. Aftershocks are earthquakes that follow the largest shock of an earthquake sequence. They are smaller than the main shock. Aftershocks can last weeks, months, or years. Black people are left with the aftershocks of losing their loved ones. Actually, let me take a step back and change that. Black people are left with the aftershocks of their loved ones being taken from them. Little black children are being ripped from the grip of their parents' loves. Husbands and wives are being taken from their kings and queens. What happens when you give a racist the power to eradicate a human race one by one? You don't know? Live in America while black, and I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find out what affects one will affect all the aftershock. It's crazy how bullets can fly freely through the air and through skies, through buildings and homes, and not dare harm the structure itself, and still find a way to gravitate towards the darkest people in the room. Showering black bodies like glass into little pieces, little pieces leaving them to be picked up by the families who are left broken themselves. What affects one will affect all. That possibility affects me each and every day. Anxiety becomes a blanket around my brain and a thread weaves into every single brain cell of my mind until I'm held captive of my own self. So don't tell me that I shouldn't fear for my life when the red and blue lights of injustice pierce through my rearview mirror onto my melanated skin. Don't tell me that my GPA and involvement here on this campus will save me from the racism that's carefully woven the very fabric of the society and nation. What affects one will affect all. So when I see black men, black women, black children being attacked in the racist streets of America, I lose a piece of myself every time. I lose a piece of my joy. I lose a piece of my comfort. I lose a piece of my standing. I lose a piece of my patience. Not because of the fact that it could be me, but because every time I walk out the front door, there's a possibility it will be me. Every time I walk across the street with my black friends, it could be me. Every time I lay my head down at night at my own home, it could be me. What affects one will affect all. So when I sit on my couch looking at my television screen during the day, night, evening, and in bold headlines across saying breaking news, I try tears of sadness and anger every single time. We may not be blood, but black people will always be my people because whatever affects one directly will affect all indirectly, and that is what you call the aftershock. Excellent, excellent stuff. Recommend watching the whole thing uh, if you can, or at least putting it on in the background and, and listening to it. Um, watching the students uh, put their hearts into it was really fun to see. I don't know if there's an easy transition from that, something so positive, into uh, our next segment, which is I Wish I Knew. And the topic this week for I Wish I Knew is something that maybe poetry uh, could fit into in that what are stressors for college students and how do you work your way through those? Um, poetry being one or acting another, um, reading, writing, whatever have you. But if, if you guys could, uh, we'll start with Vincent America on this, if you don't mind, could, could you kind of identify what are the biggest stressors for a college student, especially now uh, in April, end of the school year? And how do you personally try to limit or manage stress now versus how you tried at the very beginning of your college career? I would say that the biggest stressors right now since the um, school year is ending is just having a lot of assignments and tests all in the same week. And then also wanting to enjoy your time with your friends. Um, and then, yeah, overall, just I think the first one would be having a lot of things to do and it seems like you have no time. And then a second one would be like, you feel like maybe you're missing out with friends. So the first one, I think something that I do differently now would be asking for help, um, talking to my professors. There have been times when I have really felt like completely overwhelmed, like maybe I just needed, you know, 
one extra day, you know, maybe for one essay, because I had two other tests, you know, in that same week, and just asking. And honestly, I think that most of the times your professors are going to be like, yeah, that's fine. And especially if it's only a one time thing, you're not like asking for um, extensions on every single assignment. But and if you've they, they know that you've tried hard the whole semester and you you really just need a little bit more time um, reaching out and then asking for help. I think that's something that I do differently now that when I was a freshman, I felt like I didn't have to do that. Um, I really was like, no, I need to do everything all in one day. Um, and then the professors afterwards, they would even say like, hey, like if you needed help, you could have just, you could have just asked because they don't know um, what you're going through. And then the second one would be, taking a break and hanging out with your friends. I think that if you, um, there are also times where I would be like, my friends would be hanging out and I would say, sorry, I can't, I have so much homework. And now I'm like, I regret it so much. Like, I don't remember the assignment I had, but I do remember that I didn't go and that my friends did. So, um, and we talked about this, just managing your like social life and homework in school. So I think that would be saying yes, um, as long as you're not like completely behind, but you can spare sometimes, you know, two hours um, with your friends and you're going to come back way more energized and, and ready to do your homework than before if you would have just stayed. Okay, so America going off of assignments and that sort of thing, especially as a senior, it can be really hard to find meaning in the assignments, especially in like core classes, not pertaining to your major. Um, kind of hard to find meaning in them, especially when the end is so near. Um, that's something that I personally struggled with a lot throughout college, uh, especially in non-major specific classes, finding the motivation to do that. Um, it's actually something that French philosopher uh, that I've been studying a little bit, Albert Camus went over, he called it the absurd uh, when you kind of struggle to find meaning in what you're doing in life. And I've done some thinking about it, and I actually think that one of Rocker's core values, finding God in all things can really apply especially when you're running out of that motivation to do homework, do that random paper, turn in that random essay. And by finding the meaning in that, finding God in each and every aspect of your academic career, you can kind of start to see how you may not be, you, you may not think that you have, you know, meaning in it right now, but you can apply it to so many different aspects in your life. Um, one of Camus' uh, solutions to this kind of like life is absurd policy is that it's the fact that you are here, that the fact you are alive doing this thing, uh, that is reason enough to be able to do it. And you can become a better person because of it. You know, man, uh, um, men and women growing as a person, you got to have to suffer a little bit, you know, because humans are the sculptor as well as the marble that they're sculpting themselves. And so by using kind of that logic to go into, you can kind of find meaning in stuff that may not seem big right now, but could help you in the future. That was a really great um, tie-in. I love philosophy. So that was a really great um, tie-in. Um, yeah, I would definitely say just as far as like stresses are concerned, um, honestly, I don't know. I guess it's really just a matter of time. I don't think there's anything that's like specifically that's stressing me out. It's just mainly time and how there's not much of it left, even though time. Okay, that, never mind. That's a completely different topic. But anyways, um, it's just like seeing things wind down and things are really getting real. I know it's very surreal for me when I was applying for classes for the next um, semester. And it's hard to just apply for classes for the next semester without thinking ahead because you make sure you don't want to miss out on any classes for your senior year. And so just doing that, and um, I would say like just a way to manage stress. I like doing poetry, kind of talked about that earlier. So that's definitely one of them. Um, I've been hanging out with friends more on the weekend, being more intentional about hanging out and actually spending time to myself. Um, and I would just definitely say like tips to others who are like feeling stressed during this time, just know that you are not alone. Like there are hundreds of students here on campus who are going through the exact same thing we may um, go about it in different ways, but at the end of the day, we're all preparing for finals. We're all getting very anxious for the end of the year. So just remember that you're definitely not alone and that we'll get through this. So, yeah. Great. Before you go, Jarrett, I know Vince got to get back to your internship and breathe mm -hmm. and class. Thanks for joining us, you guys. And uh, we'll talk to you two later.
Peace out, guys. Peace out. Jared, stressors, how do you cope? Advice for others. So, because this is a, I wish I knew, right? I wish I knew, and I'll tie this into this. I wish that I knew that my talents would be so beneficial to who I am. Um, and I say that, so before I got to college, um, this goes in literally directly into the poetry, which we spoke in a little bit later in the event. Um, but before I got off to college, I wrote a decent amount. Um, and it wasn't the idea of writing poetry that helped me, but it was, it allowed me to be intentional because I wrote about things in my life, things that, you know, the unknown, the unexpected with going away to college and not knowing anybody, um, except for one kid I met on Ride to the Rock, <laughs> which was a tour to Rockhurst. Um, just writing about those things. And it wasn't even a concern. It was just a way to, you know, that was a stressor, not knowing anybody at this campus. And I alleviated that stress by writing it down, you know, by being able to journal about that, by putting my thoughts on paper. And when I got to college, Lee used to say, I did not write a single word the entire time that I was there my freshman year. And I didn't think of that as a bad thing when I was there. I, I just thought, oh, just with my friends, I'm just involved in things, I'm focusing on my schoolwork. But I thought that socially, especially coming home, at this point, I saw that I was socially at a deficit because I wasn't grounded in the way that I should have been. And that it's not even for me just writing. For me, that's what it is. But every one of us, we all have talents. You know, We all have things that we invest ourselves in. And it's not even the idea that we're good at it that makes it important. It's the idea that it's beneficial to us being true to who we are. Um, and writing poetry, getting into that a lot more my sophomore year, writing consistently, um, talking to other people about it consistently, even collaborating with other artists, whether that be through acting or something else that I do, singing or writing poetry, it helps me realize where it is that I want to be in my life and while also being able to take care of what I'm doing. And I feel that when I was there for this weekend, something I did, I was with my friends and as I said, being there for only three days, I knew I wanted to spend a lot of time with them. And I took maybe about a three to four hour gap while I was actually writing. This is something I would not have done as a freshman. And I just thought about it once I finished writing a poem that I did a few days ago. I just thought about how amazing that was to see where I was at one point. Well, you know, I wish I knew that that was so important because at one point I didn't deem it important at all to invest in myself or to even find time to invest in my own talents because I wanted to do other things. But so what I would tell anybody else at this point, because as I said, we all have different talents. We all have different things that we're passionate about is to find time, whether that be on a daily basis, a weekly basis, monthly basis, whatever you feel is convenient to go out, find that time for yourself to invest in those talents, because not only is it going to, it's not even about making yourself a better poet, a better singer, a better artist, a better speaker. But at the end of the day, I believe it makes you a better you. I really Jerry, everything you said, I think I was able to relate to it in like a whole another level. And I kind of just really want to piggyback really fast. But mm-hmm. where you were, um, because I took piano, I started taking piano lessons when I was in second grade. So, I mean, how old was I? Like seven or so. And then I would have um, piano um, twice a week and it'd be one hour each day. It was Monday and Thursday. So two hours every week. Um, from when I was seven until I um, finished high school. So I finished high school when I was 18. So um, 10, 11 years. Um, so, I mean, it was it was such a huge part of my life. It was something I, I mean, yeah, twice a week, every week for basically my whole school life right before college. And once college started, I became super, super involved, joined many organizations. And mm-hmm. I kind of started pushing it back when it was such a integral part of like who I was. And I guess I didn't really realize what that made me until recently. Um, my freshman, sophomore year, I kind of played it on and off, but then um, I noticed, um, I started thinking about it, like I think maybe maybe two, three months ago. And I was like, I have not played the piano in more than a year when I would play it every single day. And last week I played it for the first time in more than a year and I think what helped was because all these organizations that took my time in college, all my, they're ending, you know, my time and them are ending. And, you know, I kind of saw myself maybe as, oh, an ambassador or as the senator. Um, And my role in those organizations has ended. 
And so now I'm kind of left thinking like, okay, but who am I, who am I really? Or like, what are the things that make me, me and are going to continue to make America, America, you know, as I continue my life after college. And so I, and I kind of started to, um, I started playing again and I have been playing um, since last week every day. And so I think that it's very, and I wish I would have realized that earlier. And I, and I think that's good that you kind of were able to pick on, pick that up. Um, I guess so early on in college that you shouldn't, I guess, stop doing the things that you love, even if you're good or if you're bad, like it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Exactly. It's, uh, it's such an eventual thing because everyone grows at different rates, you know? So um, like, even though there's things that I've experienced with, you know, stuff like that, so I'm glad that you could relate to it. There's some people that it might take them like five years or 10 years. Um, for me being somebody that when I was in high school, um, like I am very invested in the arts now, but when I was in high school, I was an athlete. Um, I had offers for baseball and volleyball. That's what I was going to do in college. So to look back and tell a 16 year old Jared, who was so focused on playing sports to see where I'm at now and that, you know, I'm more artistically inclined or focused on other things. It's like yin and yang. But one to notice about it, because I was good at sports, obviously, if a college is offering me, but was I passionate about it? Um, because that's what makes a talent. You're right. It's not about whether you're good at it or not. It's about, are you passionate about it? Um, I did it because honestly, I think I just have a natural athleticism. It just made me good, but it wound out eventually. And for something like poetry, which was something that I was never really that fond of, I never actually liked to write, fun fact. Um, that means I had to have nothing but passion for it because I remember what it was like to write, um, to sit down for like 20 minutes. And I could barely make words rhyme <laughs> at all. And now I could sit down and write a whole poem in like 15 minutes. It's not something to be proud of. It's just, wow. Like, and during that time, I'm a lot more concise with where I want to go, you know, in my life, as opposed to being, you know, 17 when I first got to college and just kind of being caught up in the storm of being around people, getting involved in college, wanting to do everything. And now you can slow things down and say, okay, I guess what's the best thing for you? That's what clearly you wish you would have known. But for me specifically, and for anyone, you know, it's, I just wish I would have known that that would help me so much because it's helping me a lot now. You know, I'm glad it's something that you think about too. Good stuff, guys. Good conversation there. Unfortunately, we have to put a close to episode number 12 here. So we certainly thank everyone for joining us, uh, for watching, if you're watching on YouTube, for listening, if you're, if you found us on, again, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. If you have any topic ideas, anything like that, be sure to let us know. So for Bree and Vince, who had to leave a little early, and America and Jarrett, thanks everyone for listening. I'm Chad Schnarr. Have a great week, and go Hawks. <laughs>